Welcome to The Gap, where it's our mission to bridge the gap between javelin and baseball training styles. I'm Bret Hart, founder of Hitman Performance, head training conditioning coach at Grind Athlete Performance, and ex-collegiate baseball player turned powerlifter. And I'm Dan Labadia, javelin coach at Southern Connecticut State University and the man behind Jack Javelin. Hope you guys enjoy the show. All right, guys, so today I'm going to be walking you guys through five things that I wish I knew before Tommy John. Um, really no particular order. The first three are going to be kind of technique, mechanics-based, and then the last two are going to be kind of um, like physical preparation-based, I guess. So with that being said, the number one thing I wish I knew before Tommy John was the idea of having that relaxed arm and that dead arm that... Um, Kevin Foster and Mike Stein like always talk about and just the ability to just turn your arm off and with that being said like it just takes away all that stress and pressure off your your elbow and your shoulder and stuff because you know like we talked about last episode with the masculine energy and the feminine energy like in order to perform well and perform at a higher um, level of competition like you yeah you need to be strong but you need to be able to turn it off at a certain point too and like in order to harness that arm power you need to be able to have that relaxed arm because without it you're going to start having that pushy arm action your arm is going to be on instead of off and you're going to be you know tensing up your arm you're going to be shortening the pull that you have on the javelin or on the baseball and your arm's gonna lap, lack that whippiness that you see a lot of guys have like such great whippy arms. That's because their arm is relaxed. Like something can't be whippy if it's super stiff. And so um, just having that, just understanding that concept and even knowing what that concept was, I never knew what it was until after, until it was too late. So I think that that's the number one thing that probably would have saved me um, from from experiencing like how much pain that I went through it was just because whenever I envisioned the throw, it was always just like trying to throw with my arm, like as hard as I could all the time. And, um, there was never, I, I never thought about like, yeah, I knew what a block was and stuff. And I knew like that speed helped, but you think about it, you know, the way I envisioned the throw, I thought about it as like speed penultimate block, throw super hard it was all of that masculine energy that you were talking about all of that brute force power it was none of the relaxation through the crossovers the hip shoulder separation like you know having that um that spread between your between your um your stance in your block stance and stuff and like getting your arm back and, and creating that longer pull and just like taking the pressure off the arm by by allowing your body to be nice and relaxed and stuff. And so that, I think that like, just like that whole envisioning, that concept was just completely changing for me where like, I don't know if there's another kid out there listening to this episode of like, if you're trying to throw really hard with your arm, like you need to relax and, and let your body do the work. Um, because if you try to just tense up all the time, it's not, it's not going to go very well. It's um, funny. Yeah, I, I think the relaxed arm is huge for pitchers in general because we have the arm barn that goes on, and then some of the kids will come into the weight room after. So I just watch like some of them throw, and then there's these two kids, probably complete polar opposites in the weight room. Like one kid just wants to rip weight. Like he's pretty, he's very strong for his size. And he has much higher outputs than this other kid, 
but they throw the exact same on a pull down. And the main difference is that the really strong, like tense kid, 100% tries to use his arm. Like does not, does not look like he has a relaxed arm at all. Like his bicep veins like popping out, like on a, on a freaking pull down. Like he's like truly trying to rip it. And the other kid who can't even freaking front squat 135, like not even close to it. Like not, if he could, it's not gonna be the depth. Extremely whippy. Like his arm doesn't even look like it's connected to his body. It's just like his whole body comes in and his arm just flings at the last second. And he throws, Not he's not strong at all. He's not fast. Wouldn't even label him as athletic. Like he's got nothing going for him. He's a classic PO. He's a freshman in high school. Hate labeling kids as a PO that early, but he's a PO. For sure, he just can't like barely touch his toes, but his arm is just so whippy and relaxed that even higher level athletes that don't have that sense, like the guy that throws 85 with him, has the capabilities of throwing low 90s, 100%. Like if you look at strength metrics and power metrics, like he has it all. It's just now you got to learn to turn the arm off, like yeah. how you were saying. And then I think that could go into your next point of layback and external rotation of like having a super whippy and like just loose arm will help you get into that end range a lot easier too absolutely and that's where for me too like for those of you who might be watching this episode instead of just listening to it like if you bring your if your arm is super tense and tight like you're you're here and then you're bringing your arm here and like your your elbow your shoulder 90 degrees your your hand's going to be like straight up versus external rotation your arm's gonna be back like this, and obviously when you have an implement and you're moving a lot faster, it's a lot easier to get your arm back into external rotation. But I didn't even know what layback and ER was like at the time. You know, like I, I was in a typical program that like, you know, I just had these blatant cues of like, just throw over the top and like, you know, pull down with your left arm and stuff like that. Like, you know, keep your block legs straight. It was like, okay, how, <laughs> you know? What, what does this mean? <laughs> yeah, like, I had no idea, bro. I, I never just... learned, I, I don't even, I'm trying to think of when I learned about layback, you know, like, I honestly don't know if I ever knew what that was until I started college, like high school. I don't think I ever learned yeah. like external rotation. I think maybe my juniors, I, yeah, I think I learned about it when I was done playing. Yeah. Like, about like how, like, I, I remember seeing still images of catchers and their arm would be like completely back here, like yeah. that, like insane amount of layback. Yeah. And I'm like, what is that? Like, is yeah. that good? <laughs> like, yeah. Now I know it's very good. Like, yeah, they got yeah. through gas. But I was like, yeah. I, like, I never, I had no idea. I had yeah. no idea what that was. That's what I mean. And then, and then layback is kind of, it's kind of like the earlier stages of ER. I would say like, it's like when your your hand is still back, but your chest is engaged, and you get that like um, that chest stretch where your arm is back, and you can kind of see like your arm's starting to come through, but your chest is starting to get engaged. It's like before that ER, but the layback would be like back here more. But just like understanding those concepts, I think is huge for arm care and and avoiding like Tommy John in in general, because it's like you're able to like relaxed arm is kind of like a mental concept of like, all right, how do I do that? How do I accomplish that? Just like, I think my arm's relaxed. Like, I don't know, is it? Whereas layback in ER is like much more of a, you know, you can measure it, you know, like you can see it in a still frame when you're going frame by frame in a slow-mo video from the side angle of a, of a pitcher or of a javelin thrower and then lay back, same thing. You can see it and you can even like, you know, they do the table tests and stuff where you can measure ER in the shoulder and whatnot. You could grab your, like what I do a lot of times to the kids at Southern is I'll grab their pec minor and be like, does this hurt? <laughs> because like if they're, if I grab right in here in that armpit muscle and it's super, super tight, the chances are that their layback is is not going to be great because 
if that's tight right there, then it's going to be, you know, it's going to be bringing the arm forward prematurely and it's going to be hard to stay patient with it and to be able to like roll under the javelin. Um, but that's what I mean. Like, I think those two are huge because like you're, you're able to not only just describe like the relaxed arm, but you're able to like see it and coach it and test it and feel it, um, a lot easier than, than like the relaxed arm concept. And then the other thing that I think is really cool too, is you see this a lot in javelin throwers is that you might get layback in ER with a ball, but you might not get it with a javelin. And so then you could kind of work to like finding the disconnect and the technical breakdown of like, all right, why can you only get it with a ball? Why can you not get it with a javelin? Like, is it a leverage issue where like, you know, just because like the, the javelin is super long, is it a weight issue? Like what weight can you, can you get it ER? You could get in with a 2K, but you can't get in with a 450 gram ball. Like why is it just because the 2K is so heavy, it's cranking your arm back. Like, you know, there's a lot of different things that you could get into as, as a coach to be able to help kids like understand the reason why they're doing things and how to achieve it better. But I, I think that that's just like the really cool part about playing around with it and, and using film and using different implements and using um, different strategies to like help them achieve that layback and that ER. And that's, like, you know, it's one of those things too, where like now I'm able to go in day one, whenever a freshman that comes in at Southern or at whenever a baseball kid joins my baseball group at Upward, it's like day one, we cover layback, external rotation, stuff like that. So that there's no, none of this like, all right, I figured that out after I had Tommy John and had to go hire a private coach to figure this stuff out, you know? Um, So my third point kind of going based off of like the mechanics part again is like hip shoulder separation. This is like, again, really beneficial if you have the relaxed arm and if you have the external rotation and the layback, but this is whole concept of just like getting the hips through forward, you know, getting that coil from the core up your core into your chest using your T-spine and then having the arm come through at the last possible second. Like after the block leg is forward, after the hip is engaged, after the spine like whips around, then the arm comes through. And that's how you're able to get that chain reaction, that torque. Um, And that really just helps like your body do the work instead of your arm. And so that's you know going off of the layback in the ER. I think Sansone said it to you once. He's like, you can't worry about layback in ER until you get the lower half down, which I think is like, I think there's something to be said about that. I think like if you're gonna learn layback in ER, you should also learn like what hip shoulder separation is. I think it's very hard. Like if you do one without the other, it doesn't really help. Like I know even for myself, when I learned what layback in ER was, I like hyper-focused on that and then I was getting it, but then I would like kind of, um, a lot of times would, I would get it with my arm, but my hip would come through at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, my arm might not have hurt because of it, because my, my shoulder was a lot more mobile. My arm was relaxed, but I wasn't, I wasn't benefiting from getting like any of the, the relaxed arm, the ER, because like my, your my hips, my hips, my hips were slow, weren't yeah. doing anything. You know, I was getting none of that torque. So it's like, yeah, I protected my arm. My elbow didn't hurt anymore, but it didn't help my throw at all because my arm was just relaxed and whippy, but then I had no tension across the core and across the chest and I wasn't using my legs. Everything was coming through at the same time with no tension there. So that what it's supposed to create that slingshot feeling of like, 
your hips are forward, your upper body's back, and then you whip through your chest and your spine, and then your arm comes through. And it's like, mine had none of that. It's like, yeah, I had the ER, and my arm looked like, like still frame, my arm looked really good, but it didn't have any of that, that energy behind it because there was a disconnect between the lower and the upper half. And so the importance of the hip-shoulder separation is really just making sure that you're, you're letting the lower body do the work and you're allowing your relaxed arm and your layback and your external rotation to actually benefit you instead of just, it's, it's helping the throw rather than just helping protect your arm. Water break. <laughs> sip, sip, sip. Yeah. So the fourth thing that I wish I knew about before Tommy John was just that like arm care needs to be aggressive. You know, I think that there's like a lot of, um, you know, even in PT coming back from Tommy John surgery, like obviously you need to start at like a very base level. Three by 10 band external rotations up top. Yeah. You got three by 10 band external rotations down here. Don't forget the IR. You got to pull that, pull that one pound band at the 80 year old woman in the same PT practice you're yeah. doing. I, I, I hated stuff. Like I used, to, oh my God, I, I used to go to PT for my back and they gave me arm care stuff. And I'm doing the same banded ERIR that like a granny is doing in the corner. He's like 85. Like I'm supposed to try to throw a baseball 100% effort. She's just trying to live like a couple more years. Like why is our program the same? Yeah. <laughs> like there's clearly a disconnect. Oh, don't get me. That's a whole. That should be a whole. Yeah, we could have a podcast episode, episode on, on on what I think about PTs. Majority yeah. of them. Well, that's, that's what I think is, is the, you know, the point that I was getting to is just like the, just the blatant like disregard for actually like returning to sport. And it's like, there's so many different things that you could do to prepare your body. And it's like, and we just like resort to like the, the, the PTs and stuff, just resort to, all right, you're going to ice. All right. You're going to do banded ER, IR. All right. You're going to do, um, you know, three pound dumbbell ER IR like I never even did anything for like the actual area that surrounded the elbow and now I'm looking back at it the only thing I did was ice and now every everything else was like they were having me do like rotator cuff stuff yeah which like and then and then they're like and then they're like all right just rest do the rotator cuff stuff and then rest and like the bicep tricep perspective it was like oh you don't want to do too much of those because you'll be tight no one ever taught me what like an impulse or an isometric was or anything like that and I'm just like you know, that's the stuff that like gets blood flow to the area will help you level up, will get you stronger and and ranges of motion, actually prepare your body to throw. You know, it was just like, it was, yeah. I mean, it was basically like the J band routine version when, when like to be able to return to throw, like you should be doing more of like Dax style of training, you know, like that's so funny. It's so funny looking back on it because my dad, ironically, no background in exercise science at all. He just knew P90X and weights, like in football, like that was it. So no baseball background at all. But after every game, or like throwing a lot, he would make me do push-ups and chin-ups to get blood flow to the area. And I always thought that made sense. And then PTs like don't do that. And like my yeah. dad ran like random, like not anything to do with like no DPT, no CSCS, nothing. He was like, yeah, you got to get blood flow to your, your elbow. Like, you use your arm to throw. Why not strengthen it? Yeah. It was just like a common sense thing. And then the people that just read the books 
and like they just do the rotator cuff stuff like they just miss that area yeah and like that's probably why i never had elbow i didn't throw i probably didn't throw hard enough to have elbow pain but I, my elbow always felt fine yeah like it was definitely my mobility that was restricting me but like i pushed the crap out of the ball like i definitely should have had something wrong with my elbow yeah but the surrounding muscles were just so strong that it never affected me yeah and that's what i think too is like the whole opposite side of the spectrum of like you know, and that's what I always tell people when I and I tell them that I, like I'll I'll make a joke about it like ice is bad you need a red light, and it's like I don't even think that like red light is magic compared to an ice pack. I just think the whole principle surrounding ice is like all right, you're gonna restrict the blood flow, you're gonna rest, you know, you're gonna basically numb the pain, you're not gonna really do anything to like get stronger versus the red light principle. Everything that goes around that is like all right, red light grass in to like break up some, some muscle fibers or some, some tissue that might be tight in there. You're going to do some blood flow work to like help promote the healing. And then you're going to do some mobility and like hypertrophy to like, you know, get the area loose and then strong. And it's like the two, it's just the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Like, I don't think red light is magic. I don't think ice is like terrible, but I think it's like the whole concept of like rest and ice and just like stay still versus red light and move and movement and mobility and blood flow is like by far superior and like that'll actually help you level up um and i think that that's like a huge missing aspect like i didn't get the red light until um after tommy john i think two years after tommy john i finally got one um it was just one of those things where it was just like you know ice just didn't wasn't doing anything for me and like i'd never iced my arm anymore never have since then I don't ice anything. It would either be red light. I love, like, the sauna and doing just joint mobilizations in the sauna, like, if something's bothering me. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, like, like wrists, like, elbow cars, shoulder cars, like, hip shit, like, in there. Yeah. Like, movement. Like, everything is just, like, the Tommy John, the Tommy John method of, like, just a thousand reps of movement. Yeah. Like, you don't have to do that many, but you yeah. need to move. Like, well, that, that's what I do a lot of times. That's what helped my low back a ton. Like, yeah. when I herniated two discs in my back, I... All I did was ISOs and movement. Like, yeah. I just couldn't be afraid of it anymore. And that's what I, I talked about in our hypertrophy episode, too, is I was like, this might be a hot take for some people, but I think, like, arm care, like, arm hypertrophy, like, directly after throwing, especially in javelin, I think is, like, amazing for you. Like, you get blood flow to the area. It helps keep it strong. Um, and it's just, like, the only really other way that like, you could get blood flow to your elbow is by throwing and, like, you need to like be able to you can't just throw all the time like you need to monitor your throwing volume and intensity and stuff especially in season so it's like if you just threw in a meat and your elbow is a little sore that's the perfect time to do the hypertrophy work because you're getting direct blood flow into like that surrounding elbow area and then you have the longest amount of time until your next meet you know it's like the, the chances that you compete two three days after another meet are very small um, and even still if you do like a hundred bicep curls at like a lighter weight to just get blood flow there and you're and you're sore from that, I think that that's a separate issue. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're not supposed to get sore. Five pound yeah. dumbbells, yeah. Like triceps, yeah. biceps, shoulders. But yeah, that's where I, I think that like, um, if you haven't seen like a lot of my strength through length stuff, like definitely check that out in terms of the, the arm care and whatnot. Um, and then also that, that kind of like helps build the, um, the end ranges of motion for the arm, like in the shoulders and just being able to tolerate more. 
And then, you know, my arm care guide on my website and my arm care video on YouTube is, is very well put together um, to help you kind of see how I like to structure it. But usually it comes from, um, you know, I, I like to conceptualize the throw in like a very relaxed arm standpoint. And then the next point I made in the video was to have that deep tissue work, whether it's like through grasping or manual massage or on the barbell, rolling it out or whatever. And then mobility and stretching be the third point. And then strengthening is the last point. And so that that's like the ideal arm care routine in my, my eyes. It's like, um, you know, start with a little bit of manual, or you could, I, I could do the manual massaging before or after I throw, usually like the day before, and then directly after, I think is probably the best way to do it. I'm not trying to, I usually don't do grass and like before I throw or anything like that, because it could be kind of tough on you. But um, that's definitely the way to go in terms of arm care is like you need to push it. You can't just do J bands and three pound rotator cuff exercises. Like you need to, like you're trying to throw 90 miles an hour, you're trying to throw 70 plus meters with a two pound spear. Like you need to prepare the body to be able to yeah. do that. You got to earn the right to throw hard. Like you have to like have your body trust itself to be able to produce like that amount of force to throw it. Like if you're, if you go in there and you train soft, you're going to throw soft. That's yeah. pretty much how it is. Like you need to be able to target the tissues and the areas that are going to be required to be strong in order to actually compete at any level. Absolutely. The game only speeds up. Like the amount of people throwing 90 is probably 10 times more than what it was 15 years ago. Like you're going to have to throw harder. Like that's just part of the game. Like scouts recruit. Like, you know, you don't even have to freaking hit the net. You can hit top right of the L of the, of the cage, like you enjoy it. But, yeah, but, if, but if the gun reads 102, they're getting signed. Like, they're like, we'll work on command later. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll get the catcher up there. You'll be, you'll be close enough. Dude, I think that video is crazy too because you can see how like Jordan and I threw it in like the same spot. Bro, the top caption, the top comment is that how zesty Jordan threw the ball. Yeah. Like, what? Because there was like sidearm? It was like sidearm and you just like whipped it. <laughs> It's like 500 lights. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. But you, it, I think it's so funny, though, too. It's like, because somebody made a comment about how they looked like they came out of our hand at the same speed. And, but it was like a, in that video, it was like a 14 mile an hour drop off. Um, and I, I think it's really cool because, like, you could see how, if you break it down, like, I could see how the hand, the ball, cut my, my hand kind of swipes this way and then the ball, like, spins that way. Whereas Jordan's is like, he's, even though it looks sidearm, his hand is like on top of it more. So he just has like downward spin versus mine is like sideways spin. There's like 14 miles an hour <laughs> yeah. difference. Like obviously he throws harder than me, but not not 15 miles yeah. an hour. You're throwing sliders top right. <laughs> yeah, that, that mascot is getting stoned. That mascot's getting hot. No, I remember like when and we were I talking. I feel bad for whoever's sitting behind him. <laughs> that ball's coming right to Yo, me. you think it, you, all right, mark my words. What day is it right now? Was it January 18th, 2024, Jordan and I will throw out a first pitch at a at least minor league game next year. <laughs> next I year. guarantee it. I'm going to make that happen. <laughs> the yard goats. <laughs> Yo, the bluefish, man, they might come back. You know? Dude, I'm saying, bro, like, dude, trust me. I'm like, bro, listen, me and this dude, we're going to the Olympic trials for javelin. Like, let us throw out the first pitch. Like, 
They're going to say yeah. <laughs> They're not going to say no. They're not going to say no. Just, 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 just tell the catcher to wear equipment. Yeah. Make, we might need three of them. You might need three. <laughs> you might need that. You might need... Get some of the backups back there, too. I don't know where it's going. That was like a... Who was it? Colin Kaepernick? That threw like 93. On his first on pitch? His, on a, he, did a, he, did, he threw one out. That's he, sick. Not, I think he threw like low 90s. It was like one of the fastest like celebrity pitches. Like, celebrity. Like, Professional so, athlete. Man. <laughs> like, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> More of a celebrity. <laughs> um, but yeah. Alright. Last point is I wish I knew how to monitor intensity. And I think that this is like something that I've worked on a lot with our freshmen now, especially coming in because I just don't really trust the freshmen right now to like tell me if something's like bothering them. Like I don't really know if they know like what the difference between like fatigue and pain is. And like, you know, like for me, I just stuff the pain. You know what I mean? I just wouldn't, I wouldn't like say anything. Like I would be like, oh, it kind of hurts, but like just suck it up and just keep going at a hundred percent all the time. But that's why like, you know, I have, I have scheduled down days and down months for them where like, even if we're throwing, we're throwing like the 150 or like the 450 or the turbo jabs or something like that to just kind of work on monitoring the intensity. Because like for them, for me, when I was there at Southern the first like couple of years, the first like year and a half in general, I was like, just one speed all the time. I was just like always trying to throw as hard as I could. And, you know, going back to the first couple points, like always was tensing up my arm, always threw with an active arm and had no external rotation, no layback, no hip shoulder separation. So I was always trying to throw hard and my arm was just always taking the force because I never quite figured out how to turn it off and how to let the body do the work and how to have the proper mobility. And um, you know, even when I was trying to work on it technique, I was trying to work on technique at 100 miles an hour all the time. And so, yeah, I mean, just like monitoring intensity is huge. And I think that like, you know, there's something to be said, like even now, me being able to go up to the wall and, you know, throw the 450 and just work and just focus on one thing and just get 100 reps in at a low intensity. And in 10 minutes, it's like that that right there helps so much but it's like something that I never thought to do. Like I always thought like, all right, throw hard with a javelin like all the time year round. And then even like thinking back to it when it was like senior year of high school, when I first tore my UCL, um, like partially, at least like at least halfway it was torn. I, um, you know, it was my first day throwing in March and it was like, I threw from like a full approach and I hadn't thrown since like the year prior. Like I played, I lifted weights over the winter, threw football in the fall. The summer was all football conditioning. Like I didn't, I didn't play a throwing sport except for javelin. I only threw two months out of the year, and like my first day after like a ten month break, I threw out of like a full approach. And it was obviously like my body wasn't like my body was not harnessing enough energy at the time to like really like hurt myself in practice, but like as the season went on and I continued to just throw at that intensity all the time, by the end of the season, I had a partially torn UCL and then I went to college and threw hard in practice all year round. And by the time the season came around, the UCL was like completely gone. And so, um, yeah, that was just a big thing for me is just learning like, all right, 
you get a lot from those like low intensity days where you focus on technique and relaxation and just like building throwing volume like a lot of volume at a lower intensity has done a lot more for me and the athletes that I've coached than like just all right, we're giving it our all today. We're going to warm up quick and then take, like, I only had, like, you know, you only get, like, four or five, six throws off the runway before you got to, like, shut it down. I mean, like, sometimes you could stretch it to, like, 10, but even then it's, like, 10 throws at max effort versus, like, 100 at 50%. It's, like, you could get a lot of technical work and a lot of, like, blood flow to the area and mobility to your arm by doing those, like, high amount of reps at low intensities and still accomplish a lot in that session. But, you know, you could go out there and take five throws at max effort, hurt yourself, not fix anything technique wise, not get any better and just leave the practice in the same spot you were in or in a worse spot that you were in. Yeah. I wish I knew more stuff like that, like monitoring, like knowing when to turn it on, when to turn it off, taking more like the high low approach. RP 11. <laughs> <laughs> Max effort, everything. <laughs> Mine definitely wasn't from the baseball. I mean, baseball coaches, when I was playing, had no concept of really any of this. I feel like the new. I feel like there's a new age of, like, a come up of, like, younger coaches, like, the older, like, that older generation of, like, running, like, a ton of pulls and mental toughness. I feel like that's kind of dying off in the newer age of, movement exploration, fun, uh, all like the advanced stuff that like you were talking about. Like I feel like there's just like a new shift of how everything's going to be like handled. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious to see like where baseball can be, like with, especially with the data and biomechanics and like see how far like the human body can actually throw. Like maybe one day someone can throw like 110 miles per hour. What's like, the record right now? Like 107, in the game? 107.8, 107.8. Four, 107 something what because um, I know that like I know that the uh, like in the MLB they've been talking about like moving the mound back and stuff are they doing that no I think yet. I they did it in minors right I don't know I don't know it's stupid it's not changing the game just make the players figure it out have everyone take steroids <laughs> shut up <laughs> alright we need the juice arrow back <laughs> juice factory <laughs> Man, my man signed, bro. He did sign. Shout out Juice Factory. <laughs> that was actually cool. <laughs> Dude, he texted me about it, and Thanks I was for like, all your help. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like yo, I'll you one time. Yo, this no. is all you, man. Yeah, no, bro. He texted me because it was like the day the day I like posted the YouTube video of us. It was like. And I, I just said, like, oh, it's going to be a sick testimonial. I trained with you once, and then you went, <laughs> That's me. That's me. I made him. I made him who he is today. That's good. That's so funny. Yeah, but he just, he's been, like, sending me some stuff. He's just, like, he he's trying to, like, do a skin the cat and trying to, like, increase his pull down or his, like, pullover. Yeah. And then he's trying to pull down 100 before he goes and stuff. He's, like, just on, like, the bench and mobility wave and just throwing gas wave right now it's all juiced up don't get Tommy John <laughs> I mean if you need it it's kind of good for you I mean the small sample size of javelin throwers that I've talked to have all gotten Tommy John and they all said they came a lot better after they got it so it's it's an American thing though like I don't I mean I don't know I don't live in another country I don't really talk you to don't? any <laughs> <laughs> what 
I only heard of like one. I've only heard of like one foreigner getting Tommy John. You know, no, I think Nareesh Chopra and Andreas Hoffman both got it, and they were like ninety meter guys. But there's just like I don't know. They, they, we just teach it wrong over here. We're just doing something wrong from the beginning. People, that's the problem. Is people are like me. Like they start throwing. You know, a junior, senior year of high school, they just have bad mechanics. Just start throwing it as hard as they can and stuff. There's, like, no ramp up or anything. Same with, there's a lot of that in the baseball where, like, these kids can't move and they're giving the ball and they're saying throw it as hard as you can. That's what, um, the guys in the Connected Performance, I was talking to them about, or I was, this is on the podcast with Kevin, I think. They were talking about how, like, you know how there's, um, you know, on the Little League field, like, you play with, like, a a smaller diamond Mm -hmm. and then you go to the bigger diamond. They're like... Should we be doing that with like baseballs too? Like, should they be starting with like a three or a four ounce javelin. ball? Or you mean baseball, like the yeah, ball, yeah. actual like lighter baseball? Yeah, like play with a lighter baseball until you get to like until you get to um, the big diamond. Or... Big diamond, yeah. Just like help arm care and stuff. I always noticed is like the kids that would throw absolute gas in the little league as soon as you went to the big field, like they sucked and their arm always hurt. It's like because yeah. they have to throw it twenty extra feet. I like, think it's like forty-five in little league. Yeah, and then it goes to sixty feet six inches. Like that's a pretty yeah. big, it's a pretty big jump. To, like to try to throw max effort for the, the amount of lo- like workload you're doing. Yeah, that is a lot. But yeah, I mean, I know that in other countries, like they will, they have like a, it's the same length as a men's javelin but it's like 700 grams or 600 grams and like they throw that until they're like 18 i think maybe because like even in shot put discus hurdles like everything gets harder when you go to college like the hurdles get higher shot put gets four pounds heavier discus gets like like two or three pounds heavier then javelin is the same at high school and i think like if that honestly like might be a good move for um for like high schools in America to throw like a 700 gram or like, yeah, then or like a 600 gram or something. It just messes up recruiting a little yeah, bit. So like, it's say, all relative process. Cause everyone's going to be start chucking it way further and you have to go to the bigger one. But then I think coaches would prioritize like size and strength at that point. Like, are you strong enough to throw the heavier one? Like I know like a shot putter, like if they have the smaller ball, like even they could throw it further if they don't look like a shot putter. Like yeah. one you'd actually be surprised the amount of kids that they catch up to the 16 pound a lot faster than you think I, like even for me my PR only dropped off like two feet once I got to the the college shot put it was like even though it went up four pounds my PR is only like two foot two foot difference you just get you know a lot stronger and just learn the technique and stuff like that but my, I remember what I was going to say earlier, though. What's the average, like, amount that we've improved in terms of, like, how hard you throw? Like, what did they throw? Like, in the 90s, what did they throw? Like, they threw, like, 90 miles an hour still, right? They did. Like, um, like, like Randy Johnson threw gas. And, like, there's... Like, how fast? Like, Marion Rivera was in the 90s, and he, and he was... He was still chucking. It's it's been trending up. So in 2008, the average is around 92 miles an hour, and now in 2022, the average is up to 94 miles an hour for MLB four seam. So that's so in, repeat that. So in 2008, the average was 92 miles per hour, and now in 2022, it doesn't go to 2024. But in how many years is that? 16. No, 14. 
14 yeah 14 so in 14 years it went up two miles an hour oh it's not as big of a so difference like, as i thought the average so that that is kind of a that is kind of a substantial just because that means there are way less pitchers that throw slower than 92 miles an hour that means 94 is the baseline mm-hmm. so you raise the baseline up two miles an hour and that's that's pretty substantial yeah so like, i think that that's the thing i think that that's what I'm trying to figure out now is like maybe maybe like not, not everyone is at like 100 but I think there's a shit ton of people that are over 90 now yeah there's a lot like this like well over the average yeah. like I well even like very, even very, like me and Jordan being able to show up and throw, I, even though my, mine was from a pull down his was from like a you know like a turn around and throw like but he did like he threw 93 like that <laughs> Yeah, I threw like what eighty nine or something, eighty eight point seven or whatever. But like, I just think that that was to me. I was like, I don't know. I was I was impressed with like where we measured up. But I get at the end of the day, like miles an hour isn't everything. Like they yeah. obviously have you gotta to hit the mitt. They gotta hit the yeah. mitt. You gotta be able to throw to different pitches and last an entire game and stuff. It's different. Yeah. All right, guys. So thanks for tuning in. That was my five tips on what I wish I knew before Tommy John surgery. We will see you next week on The Gap. See ya.